Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless my words to be true and useful for building up your dear people to follow the way of your Son in resisting temptation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The life of Christ has two aspects to it always. One primary and the other secondary. And the primary aspect is that he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's the fundament of the gospel, that he died for us on our behalf, in our place, a sacrifice to the Father that we could never have made ourselves, that was never be acceptable because we are sinful and he is not. And therefore, as we heard, through his one act of righteousness, his obedience, we have been forgiven. He does things we could never do for ourselves. The secondary aspect is he also gives us a pattern for us to imitate. And those two truths go hand in hand throughout the course of his life as we see it presented in the Gospels. So our journey of Holy Week is primarily a, uh, a journey of devotion and discipleship leading towards Holy, uh, sorry, through Lent leading towards Holy Week where we commemorate the singular act of Christ dying on the cross, a thing we could never do for ourselves. But we also see in the event we heard narrated in today's gospel that Jesus, in resisting the devil, in resisting temptation and not falling into sin, did what we could never do ourselves. Right? We have a picture of our stamp in Genesis chapter 2. Adam, when presented with temptation, fell into it. And Adam and Eve together fell into sin. They couldn't resist temptation. And the reason that it's just of God to reckon all of us under that guilt of Adam's sin is because if any one of us were there, apart from Christ, we would have done the exact same thing. Our human nature was unable to resist the devil and temptation. Only perfected human nature when God the Son took on human nature and united it to his divine person. Only then was human nature able to beat back Satan. And that's what we get, the temptation in the wilderness. And I'm sure you caught the parallel, right? Adam failing in the garden and Jesus conquering in the wilderness. The second Adam. A threefold vanquishing of temptation, a threefold witness of the fact that Jesus, as a man, and it is as a man, beats temptation. Even though it's empowered by his divine life, right? God was always bigger and stronger in beating Satan. Now as a man, God the Son has beaten temptation and the devil. And then subsequently, by virtue of his casting out the prince of this age, which Jesus says his cross accomplishes, now the hour has come, the prince of this age will be cast out, routing the devil, Christ is the Lord over all spirits in his human nature. This is one of the wonderful themes that runs through Colossians and Ephesians, that he has triumphed over the principalities, conquered them, crushed them. For me, the image of having their teeth punched out is especially satisfying. And this same Christ now lives within you by virtue of the indwelling Holy Spirit that lives within your soul. The same Christ who beats Satan in the wilderness lives within you. 
And so now, as never before, as it was not possible in the garden, it is now possible to resist temptation. It wasn't before. The whole history of the secular human history and Israel's history, apart from the indwelling power of Christ, we do nothing but fall into temptation. Even with the indwelling power of Christ, we still fall into temptation. Well, I mean, fall into sin through temptation. That's what I mean to say. But with Christ, we actually have the ability to resist. And it's not our ability, it's Christ in us who is strong. We can call on the same power with which he pushed aside Satan in the wilderness anytime we are tempted and say, Jesus, save me. Rescue me from this temptation. I don't want to fall into this sin. Save me. Or rather, I do want to fall into this sin. Save me. Right? That's what makes it temptation. It's got a hook. It's now possible. So that's the number one key to imitating Christ is actually not trying to, uh, of your own strength, be like him in resisting Satan, but to call on his power within you by the Holy Spirit to resist But then flowing from that, we also have an example to follow in how Christ beats Satan. So I want to just point out a couple things. First is that he's already fasting, right? Jesus went 40 days with no food at all, no food at all. We give up some food in Lent for 40 days. I hope you catch that analogy. But the idea, the principle is the same to uh, weaken the body that the soul might be strengthened and lighter in order to rise up to God in prayer to be in a place of spiritual readiness for when temptation comes. And it's also meaningful that Satan came to him after the 40 days, that when the flesh is weak, that's also when the enemy is most likely to present a temptation for us to stumble into. The second thing, uh, um, which I'm sure you've, you've heard many sermons on before, but it's always worth remembering is the way the Lord uses Scripture Even the Son of God himself, who spoke those words in the ears of the prophets who wrote them, relies on those very words in the hour of temptation, which is in a way showing even Jesus as man, as the God-man, relies on the Word of God to resist. And to use the Word of God, you have to already know it ahead of time. If you have to take the time to Google search a verse, then the battle is probably already losing ground. So Jesus didn't have to do a Google search. He knew the word. He had it memorized. And so um, one of the handouts as well as your leaflet that you should have gotten is a little cheat sheet of just a few verses from Scripture that you can use as um, weapons when different temptations are presented. I I ordered it according to the Ten Commandments. So the first commandment, of course, I have no other gods but me. Well, there's a verse that if you have it memorized... Then when there's, now that's not a temptation where perhaps that cut tempted towards, but what about coveting? Actually, um, Carrie, in great wisdom, wrote the verse that, that's against coveting uh, and save, save, my, save our lives from the love of money on our little cash envelope we use for our household budget. So each time we get a paycheck and we put money in the envelopes, it's like, save us from the love of money, save us from coveting. I'm still working myself on memorizing these, but these are ones that um, I've relied on and there's, there's plenty of others that you can find. Um, but I want to challenge you in terms of the way in which Lent is a putting away of a little bit of the world to take on a bit more of the Spirit. One of the spiritual tasks I invite you to, I challenge you to take on is to memorize, if not these verses, ones like them, so that you have them in you in the moment of temptation 
that when something comes that's sort of tempting the eyes, I will, I will set my eyes upon no worthless thing. You don't need to remember the reference. Just know the scripture, right? I, when I was a kid, it was like chapter and verse. And that, chapter, that's far, the least important part of memorization. The most important part is the, the content. I, I wish I had put on there. I realized one of the verses I rely on when I'm tempted to speak evil is set a watch upon my lips, O Lord. That's another one I have memorized. So um, anyway, so there's a, there's a cheat sheet. You don't have to have a cheat sheet, but, but do have scripture memorized. And especially for what you know is your besetting temptation. What's the thing that by nature and circumstance, and it changes often through the seasons of life we go through. Um, what's the thing that you are most inclined to stumble into? Memorize the verses that strengthen you against that particular temptation. Lastly, just to point out about Jesus' example is that he uses scripture right away. It's the first thing out of his mouth when presented with the temptation. So notice, I just want to give a sort of semi-comic list of things that you don't hear Jesus saying in the temptation. Jesus doesn't say, oh yeah, good, good point, let me think about that for a while. Jesus doesn't say, well, let me try it out and see how it feels inwardly. Right? He doesn't say, um, it's probably okay, well, I'll see if the Father stops me. Right? No. He just answers right away, Scripture. No. He rebukes the enemy. So I pray um, that in particular for y'all, I, th- I haven't lived here long enough yet to earn the use of that, that word, but, um, but I pray for y'all that this land, that things which are presently perhaps besetting sins, things that in weakness you fall into with your will, through the power of the Holy Spirit within you and through the memorization of scripture, those things get pushed back to be merely besetting temptations, which we can expect till our dying day. Temptation never goes away. And being tempted is not sin. Entertaining temptation is the sort of hinterland of sin, and then giving in to temptation in thought, word, or deed is sin. But I pray that sort of any besetting sin, that the Lord would push it back to be a besetting temptation that is still painful, that's still a struggle, but to fight that good fight rather than giving in and falling into sin. There is a sort of um, soldierly quality to Lent, to fight with more vigor against the enemy by the power of the Holy Spirit, using the weapon of his word. Amen.